Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Telling Everybody Everything. And lately, I'm seeing a lot of people telling immigrants to go home. I'm watching videos, Instagram, viral clips of these just grotesquely gunted, gammony men shouting, go back to Africa. And uh, I have always been the right kind of immigrant. No one really calls me an immigrant. I am very sneaky. I'm white, so they can't tell. But I'm also from a quote-unquote desirable country. I'm Canadian. Everybody likes me. And... I can still have access to the EU. <laughs> I struggle to understand the people who believe everyone is obsessed with them. Everyone wants to come to England and exploit the system. Everyone wants to take my land. Everyone wants to take my culture. They're just so obsessed with me. Nobody cares about you, Karen. That's got to be what it is, right? This fixation on fictionally dwindling resources. And there's proof that's not happening. Greeks are European. They're free to move, let's say, to Germany, where wages are twice as high. But since the start of the economic crisis, only 150,000 out of 11 million have chosen to do so. They're not flooding there to take the jobs and take the money. Micronesia, some states spread around like the Western Pacific Ocean, they are free to work and live in the USA without a visa, where their income will be 20 times higher but two-thirds of them remain in Micronesia. Why? Because no one is obsessed with you. Nobody wants to come there and take what you've got. Because what you've got is erectile dysfunction and a flaccid fucking grasp of English. Maybe be open to people from other countries. They will come there and help you out with both those problems. But if you watch Fox News, aptly named after the weaselly, omnivorous mammal that eats out of bins and spends its nights fighting and screaming... You would believe that there's this surge of people coming. I saw Tucker Carlson. God bless you if you don't know who this man is. He talks on television in America. He's one of these people like the Ann Coulters, Tommy Lawrence, Katie Hopkins of the world that has monetized being a troll. He's talking about Antifa and the, which just means anti-fascist, by the way, a great thing to be. What's the opposite of anti-fascist? fascist. Congratulations, Nazi. He's like, they're coming for you. Look, they're all over the streets and they're coming for you next. And this panic seems to all really be about safety and resources. If you break it down and you ask these people, whoa, why don't you want to give other races equality? 
I mean, the honest answer has to be, well, I like being privileged and I don't want them to take my stuff. D.L. Hughley famously said the most dangerous place for a black man to live is in a white person's mind. Because we're just brought up to imagine all these things that aren't even happening. About two years ago, I spent a summer in America filming The Fix on Netflix, and that's still streaming now. It's hosted by Jimmy Carr. I was so fortunate to get to meet so many American comedians that I love and admire while I was working over there. D.L. Hughley was a team captain, and so was I. D.L. had such beautiful insights about racism, but also how he grew up, about socioeconomic disparity, and said something that I had never realized before that there are neighborhoods that don't have groceries, like a dry zone or something. It's certain neighborhoods have no availability of fresh fruits and vegetables. So if you live in a rich neighborhood, you're probably close to a Whole Foods. If you live in a middle-class neighborhood, you won't be far away from a Tesco or just a grocery store where you have access to fresh produce. But there are neighborhoods probably in the UK, I'm sorry for my ignorance, but definitely in America, where there's no food for miles. And these people don't have cars, and these people don't have public transport access necessarily. There's no fresh food within walking distance. And it keeps people sick. And that access is so important. It's just another way that people are marginalized. A food desert. It's called a food desert. What did I call it? Dry zone. I mean, sometimes I worry about my own brain. And it is true that in comedy, a lot of us are left-wing. You can say that only left-wing comedians get hired to go on television. You can say that if you want. But it might just be that comedians question a lot of things. They have critical thought. They have empathy. They can put themselves in another person's circumstances really quickly. And that doesn't necessarily mean they'll be left-wing. But they certainly show empathy for the snowflakey issues which are considered to be left-wing by default. So when I went on The Fix, which explores some of the world's greatest problems, unfixable by politicians, so comedians go in to fix those problems, The Fix, I knew that subjects like gun control, climate change, I knew that it would be rare to find a comedian who was a climate change denier. Do you know that is a very special kind of person who's like, nope, coal and petrol it is. It's all going to be fine. So I did a little experiment where I thought, okay, I'm going to go on this episode and I'm going to be pro-Exxon, pro-American Petroleum, kind of like a Stephen Colbert type character, I guess. I just thought it would make the episode more dynamic. So I was saying things like, well, Oh, what do you mean there's that many emissions? You can't weigh emissions. That's like saying you can weigh the sky. Carbon dioxide is water-soluble. It occurs naturally in groundwater, rivers. What are you going to cancel the sea? The sea is a high-quality individual. And carbon dioxide is odorless, which is more than I can say for liberals. And it did not take very long for the audience to join me. I had people in this American audience who, by the way, had no idea who I was. I'd come on on stage every day and they'd go, D.L. Hughley. And the audience was like, yes, because he's a legend. And Jimmy would say, and Catherine Ryan. And there was silence. One time I just heard a lady at the back go, who? And people liked the climate change denying. They were on board and it wasn't hard to get them there. 
I talked about vegans. Some people are okay with animals being tortured. Others voice their disapproval over this torture. There are really good people on both sides. Again, they were like, yeah, vegans are overly virtuous. It's counterproductive. I felt the brief power of Fox News because I don't think these are bad people. It's just easier for some to believe the most entertaining story. They showed those horrible videos of the skinny polar bears wandering around urban areas looking for food. And I was like, well, maybe polar bears needed to lose weight. It's the fake news media I blame for these videos. If they care about polar bears so much, why didn't they just feed him? And people went with it. I guess it just scares me now how easy it was to get a big group of people to believe absolute shite then. So when you watch the news in the next couple weeks and they're like, mm, more COVID deaths thanks to the Black Lives Matter protests. Oh no, it's not all the barbecues people were having two weeks before. And when they go, oh, you know, they're rioting and they're right outside your door waiting to hurt you. They're honestly not, like, unless you are a statue of a slave owner and then you're going for a swim. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. But there are certain subjects where I genuinely want to understand the other side. This all lives matter response baffles me. I think, okay, are these good people who are maybe ignorant? They don't understand. Are they genuinely that selfish? Do they really believe that the Black Lives Matter movement is saying our life matters and yours doesn't? I just, I don't know any All Lives Matter people, and I'm afraid that when they pop up on Twitter, they are also like the violent, threatening misogynist that I've had contact with before. So I would like to think there are some good people who are confused. I mean, they must be out there, but they're staying, they're staying very quiet. People are very layered. I interviewed this one man who, uh, parts of him are the worst person in the world, and other parts of him seemed quite socially conscious. See, parts of me are evil. How can you say that about someone? Imagine I was setting you up on a date, and I was like, well, there's this really cool guy. He's um, real, He loves animals, and I think, you know, he wants to make a difference in the world. He is one of the worst people I've ever met, but other than, the, you'd be like, go back to when you said he was the worst? What was that bit? To give some context, when I met him, he was driving a flashy car and he liked to holler at women. So he had a sign, um, a flip chart, collection of cat calls written down, grammatically incorrect, most of them, you know, the wrong your, and a megaphone, just in case the babes couldn't hear him screaming 
over the roar of the engine that he was just revving all around Mayfair. And I thought, okay, I try to keep an open mind with these people. And he talked about justice and putting an end to homelessness and all the charity work. And I thought, okay, this is a really good guy, but there's this blind spot about women because he then took me to a pageant that he sponsors and is the judge of, which at best is a red flag. What kind of funded pussy parade in your basement is that? Aren't there regular ways to meet women these days? You can't do that. You can't, ho oh, ho, ladies, like a Trump-Bilzerian hybrid. Oh, you could win a very small scholarship to the beauty school of your choice if you just put a bikini on and do some gymnastics in front of me and all my friends on this catwalk. He was doing a tryout for this pageant while I was there and asked me to be a guest judge. And I was like, okay, of course, I'm in. I'm always in. I'm like, let's be a guest judge. And he seemed to want the best for these women who were vulnerable, to say the least. A lot of them were very young. Many of them didn't really speak English yet. They just wanted success, which is a good thing. Let's just say I wouldn't want my teenage daughter or yours in that basement, even though he seemed to want to help them. He was like, oh, you're so beautiful. You could be a model and have these opportunities. I don't know if you've ever seen a woman do a back walkover in a bikini, but it's all on the menu. They were so nervous. They were just very novice. Some of them were shaking. There were cameras there. It's difficult for the girls. He said to one of them, as feedback, all the girls got feedback. He said, now, you're not what we're looking for today, but I will pay for your gym membership. And then if you lose a bit of weight, you know, you might have some success next year, which she seemed happy about. I mean, it's a nice gesture, but I was fuming on the inside. I was like, what is this misogyny? It was just difficult because everyone was kind of participating I think it might have sort of been an audition to be his girlfriend, but all the women seemed pretty happy. And then we went back to his hotel and the final part of the interview is me getting in his bed for a music video. So it was an eye-opening day. He is committed to social justice and ending homelessness though, so as long as you're a homeless man and not a young Eastern European girl in a bikini, you should be square. So on the fix, I made fun of the climate change argument, but I took the gun control argument really seriously. And they invited comedians from the South, you know, I guess thinking that they would be pro-gun, but absolutely no one was pro-gun. And I know from experience, obviously you can't have a show like that. And so I thought, all right, I'm going to research what are some reasons why good people in America think they need AK-47s? Why do they think they need automatic weapons just in a giant room next to the nursery. And it's tricky for them because corporations and government, they sell weapons abroad. There's huge money in manufacturing them. So they have a financial interest to keep consumer consumption high and they drive purchases up by making it emotional. That's why they never say, oh, get a gun. It's pretty fun. They're always selling a greater intangible value, like liberty. And they're like, it's enshrined in the Constitution. It's our second amendment. Well, the word amendment means change. It's genuinely a synonym for change. Maybe change 
to meet the needs of an evolving nation that has changed profoundly since the 18th century. You can't just change an amendment. I mean, that is a kind of stupid that I can't argue with. And the Constitution's written in parchment. What the fuck is parchment? That is like the flimsiest paper known to me. That's basically like pissing it into the sand. But I will say this. I did sort of agree with one of their points. So I know they make the arguments like criminals will still have guns and if gun violence goes down, homicides will still go up. There are lots of ways to kill people like strangulation, whatever, whatever. They have these arguments, but it's when they talk about people's mistrust in the government. Like what if the government comes for you? Or what if the five branches of the military are disabled by some sort of nuclear holocaust? Civilians are the last line of defense. And when they talked about mistrusting the government, I was a bit like, oh yeah, because look at your government. My daughter's only news source is this YouTube account that's called something to do with spilling tea. And it examines the behavior of TikTokers and influencers. But through this prism, she actually gets bits of the news. So she knows a lot about the protests and a lot about George Floyd but through this really flimsy gaze. So Addison Ray is a TikToker. If you have teens or 11-year-olds, you might know. She posted a selfie. There's a lot of performative activism now. I've been listening and reading and watching, and what I knew would happen has happened. It's that there is this demographic of white women who will, oh, I mean dress up at the rally and get her Instagram husband to take pictures of her pretending to help, dress like it's Coachella and bring these signs. And I suppose perhaps that is a necessary evil. I think we saw it with Me Too protests as well. I remember having a sense that, oh, this is more about your billboard going viral. Absolutely not the majority, but there there are always a few. And my daughter was telling me all about what was happening through this gaze. I was so-and-so posted a selfie and that was not the right thing to do to talk about Black Lives Matter movement. It's a little bit narcissistic, isn't it, mommy? I would text her now to ask what that news source was, but she's had her phone taken away today for saucing me. Saucing me. I don't take an ounce of sauce, not a milliliter. What's like a sauce measurement? I don't take a gram an ounce, it's ounce. Sorry, metric system. I don't take an ounce of sauce from that chick. I'm like, everything you have, I own, and I will take it all away. Nice girl, though. But I have purposely curated my Instagram to be a narcissistic, shallow cesspool. I put loads of beautiful outfits and makeup and pictures of my face and thirsting pictures and little bathing suits. And my caption is... My greatest pain in life is that I will never be able to watch myself perform live. I mean, that is a Kanye West quote. It's very Kanye. I was joking. But I really did struggle with what to post regarding this movement. I think most people I know have always been having this conversation. Certainly comedy lineups are either all white male or they're all male or they're all white. And we could make noise about it, but it really feels encouraging that this time we're going to see real change. And I didn't want to diminish that by centering myself. 
But as I said last week, I think the worst thing to post is nothing. If you feel passionately about this, you just need to use your voice in any way that you can. And unlike some of the people maybe that I grew up with or went to school with, I have different platforms to talk about this stuff all the time. But the easiest thing to do is just post as well. You're not hurting anyone by just getting it out everywhere. And I know I was guilty of not posting enough because my mother actually rang me and she said, Catherine, are you okay? I've noticed you've not been thirsting on the gram. It just feels like a disgusting thing to do at the moment. Like, hey, here I am having a great day. So mom, I will take some Polaroids and I will post hard copies to you. Watch out for those in the mail. I have two and a half very important medical questions today, and if you have the answers, please email tellingeverybodyeverything at gmail.com. I have been receiving everyone's letters over the last two weeks. I just wasn't sure if it was an appropriate time to do letters. It's certainly not an appropriate time to ask what I'm going to ask now. Basically, I fell over in February because gin, and I've noticed, and it's not recently, just sort of all my life. I've had thick legs, and that's fine, but I also have legs that bruise really easily, and then the bruises never go away. I fell over walking up some port steps at a festival, and I have a dent in my shin from that, and that was genuinely six years ago at this point. The dent is not gone. It is like a flesh-slash-bone dent, and this fall in February, luckily I was wearing over-the-knee boots. I'm revealing a little too much, but I fell down a bunch of stairs and I have bruises all over my legs. It is June and those bruises are not gone and I've got a dent as well. I don't have cancer. I've already WebMD'd it. I don't have that. I do have lupus and maybe a platelet issue. I'm a pretty good self-diagnoser. I don't go to the doctor because I got all the knowledge I need right here. But this bruise thing is really stumping me because I have one huge black spot on my left leg and it is nearly beach season will i be allowed to go to the beach probably fucking not but you know my legs have enough problems i've got so many little beauty marks and freckles i am white as a ghost i've got cellulite and now i have a bunch of black and blue spots that look like i've been riding a bike and i just don't know how to heal them Am I supposed to massage them? Acupuncture them? This is a very first world problem, but why are my legs bruised forever? I bruise my arms. I bruise other parts of my body. My face, obviously, from injections. Those bruises go away. But bruises on my legs don't. My question is, can I do anything except exercise? Can I eat anything? Can I take any supplements? Can I lie down like with my legs in traction? Just let me know. My second question, this is for any therapists in, I had a wonderful therapist called Pam at belief.com. I always talk about Pam, but I just don't want to see her right now because she's very busy with people's actual problems. And when I go to see Pam, uh, she did such a good job that I don't have any problems. So what am I going to do? Just go pay her to have tea with me? I don't know. I don't want to waste her time when she's doing such important work. But I've learned that I have this thing with control. I have control issues about myself. I have the opposite of control issues when it comes to anybody else. And I learned a lot of this 
in lockdown, but I also learned it working on The Duchess, where I was the writer and the executive producer, which wasn't always obvious, but I never wanted to boss people around. I wanted to show people trust and just let people get on with what they wanted to get on with. I found it really, really hard to delegate. All I expect is for everyone to read my mind. That's what I want. I never want to boss people about or tell them what to do. That's why I work so well with Jen and Fiona. Jen and Fiona successfully read my mind. They're my friends, but also my stylist and hair and makeup team. And they just get it. And I don't micromanage what they do because I know they're talented. And they don't ask me questions because they kind of know what I want. And everybody gets on with their own job. But now that I've had so little to do, I have found like... I just need to be active. I need to be doing something. I need to be executing some semblance of controlling my own life. I don't control my daughter very well. She and I, you know our problems. We live in a democracy. I can't tell that one what to do, and I should. I'm obsessed with controlling myself, and I have zero interest in controlling anyone else. So, psychologists, what is that? You can email me and charge me. You send me an invoice and the diagnosis. <laughs> Please don't. I won't pay it. And my third medical question is, no one in my family gets bitten by bugs, but I get bitten by a hundred bugs all the time. You should see. I mean, I can't, these are not the appropriate photos to be putting on Instagram in the minute. No justice, no peace. But I currently have like 30 bites all over my torso is this what I'm using this podcast for? Do you know what? I talk a lot louder now than I used to. The first two episodes are like ASMR sexual where I'm like, oh, welcome. The only reason I was speaking quietly back then is because I was so humiliated to be doing a podcast and I didn't want Bobby or Violet to hear me doing it. And now I have more confidence, so I'm louder, but I shouldn't be more confident because I'm just on a streaming service asking about a rash but it's important. So here's the information that I have. My dogs don't have fleas. They are routinely treated. My daughter doesn't have any bites. Bobby doesn't have any bites. I am outside a lot, but sometimes this happens inside. I don't know. I used to think it happened to me on planes and I would call them flight bites. And I reached out to British Airways, who by the way, unfairly laid off a bunch of staff. And that is an issue that I'm sorry, flight crew. You're just going to have to park it for the minute because we're dealing with Black Lives Matter, but it is an important issue and you deserve, you deserve your jobs and we will get to it. But why am I getting bitten? Can I do anything? Should I be swallowing peppermint oil? I bought some cedar oil to spray on us because I thought it's non-toxic, but it stinks and I don't want to use that either. I used to spray vinegar. I mean, I just don't know what to do. And like I said, I have control issues. I need to control the things in my life that I have power over, i.e. being bitten by a swarm of bees or whatever is biting me. Probably not bees. Please help. If you are an insect specialist or just someone else who gets a ton of bites, am I eating too much sugar? Am I drinking too much wine? Are they getting drunk off my blood? Please reach out. And I suppose the final thing I wanted to explore today is why do women so readily take their husband's last name? I know that not everyone's doing this now, but it is the default. I saw a tweet earlier this week 
from a woman who said, genuinely, what is women's problem with taking their husband's name? It's not that I would have a problem taking Bobby's name. I like him. I like his name. I like his family. I'm amenable. I think that's why most women do it because they're like, eh, I'm amenable. What's a woman's name anyway? Is it her mother's name? No. Is it her grandmother's name? Is her dad's name and his dad's name and his dad's name anyway? So I just think it's funny. We take it for granted that it should be his name. I believe a woman should only take her husband's name if obviously she wants to. And if B, he didn't freak out when she suggested that he take her name. That's what gets me. It's these households where a woman says, oh no, I'm going to keep my name. And they go, what? And why don't you just say, well, he's, I don't know why. He's really dragging his heels for some reason. He's being obstructive and won't change his last name to mine. I have personally witnessed parents lose their shit about that. Well, why would he take her name? Like his name is just better by default. I mean, it depends on the name. It's just those little things we don't even notice. Even racism has these tiny little things. Growing up, how many of your dolls were black? If you skinned your knee playing hopscotch, what color were the band-aids? What color were they? Were they brown? Were they? No. And what crayon did you draw yourself with? Was it called, was it called peach or was it called skin color? There's one crayon called skin color when we were growing up. These are good. These are good conversations that we're having. We're going to get there. 2020. Someone said the other day, who knew the most normal thing about it would be Tiger King? Not me. A little birdie told me that non-essential shops are opening on Monday. And I also can reveal that Botox and filler places are starting to open up. My sister is an esthetician. She's back at work. Even some cafes and bars with patios are opening up. So it's great news. We can um, still fight for the stuff that matters and enjoy the little things that we're starting to get back to normalcy. Let's look forward to the new normal. And speaking of the new normal, Bobby K and I are on Channel 4 Friday night at 10 p.m. talking about sex in lockdown. That's your sex in lockdown, not ours. There's a survey of British people about... You'll find out. Just Channel 4 at 10. It was eye-opening the stuff that all of you are getting up to and I think it was really exciting to see Bobby K really on TV for the first time. He's adorable. He's a natural. It was so much fun. Thank you for listening. Email me if you like. It's telling everybody everything at gmail.com. I think I will probably get back to the emails next week and I hope you stay well. I hope you stay safe. I'll see you soon.